Welcome to Life Transformation Radio. This show is all about life transformations and our journey from where we were to why we are doing what we are doing today. We will discuss the hiccups, the roller coasters, and the blood, sweat, and tears that has been poured out while discovering our purpose. It is all about our transformation. Here is your host, Sean Douglas. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Life Transformation Radio. I am your host, Master Resilience Implementer, TEDx Speaker, Business Positioning Strategist, and International Best-Selling Author, Sean Douglas. This show is currently heard in over 90 countries. So whether it's your first time joining us or you've been listening to us for some time, I want to thank those who are listening from around the world. Life Transformation Radio is all about our transformation. Here, we tell the stories of why we're doing what we're doing, highlighting those transformational moments that changed our lives, and how we use it to then transform others and elevate their lives as well. You can listen to us live right Talk Radio Network, Tuesday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also join our Facebook group at Life Transformation Radio Community, where we interact with the guests, talk about the episodes, and never miss an episode by subscribing where you listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can subscribe to Life Transformation Radio on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, Player FM, Radio Public, Overcast, CastBox, the Himalaya app, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel on YouTube. On the show, my guests are entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners, coaches, podcasters, authors, amazing human beings that are impacting the world around them. And my guest today has done exactly that. If you have any questions for any of the guests that I bring on the show during our live broadcast, go ahead and give us a call, 657-383-1109. Again, the number is 657-383-1109. And with that, please help me welcome to the show my guest for today, BC. Let us know where you're calling in from and how the heck you doing on this Friday. I'm doing well. Can you hear me, Sean? Yeah, man. I can hear you great. All right. Well, I'm sitting here in beautiful Loveland, Colorado. It's a hazy but gorgeous uh, 78 degrees and just loving life, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing, man. Very, very, very busy week. We're currently right now in a five-day create, launch, and monetize challenge that we started this week and the goal is that everybody has to come with something that they want to create launch or monetize a podcast a book a business coaching program something and we are on day three right now and uh man the, the breakthroughs that we're having is amazing so it's been a pretty cool week to kind of see what everybody brings to the table that's fantastic you're right in the thick of it right where things start to get interesting oh yeah man and then somebody comes and puts more chili sauce in the chili. Things get real excited. Right? <laughs> boil, boil, Absolutely. boil in trouble. There you go, brother. So the title of this episode is A World Empowered with Author and Speaker. Brian, I don't want to butcher your name because I could never pronounce it. How do you say your last name? I would love to hear you try. D- 
I was gonna say Diaco, but it would That's pretty close. It's Diciaco. Diciaco. Okay, I was like Diaco. Okay, yeah. Diciaco. Really close, man. Way better than most. <laughs> I'm impressed. Well, you know, as as a as a military training instructor or drill instructor as some people call, I've had five hundred plus people come through basic training that I've pushed through basic training in my life. And you have you have not seen the names that I have seen from all over the country. Yeah, so you must have gotten really good consonant. at deciphering. <laughs> yeah, the volume, the vowel goes here and the consonant goes here. Like, oh, that's what that sounds like. So, definitely. So, BC is an author, speaker, podcast host, but most importantly, he is a true consummate friend and compassionate soul, driven to be an uplifting force in the world. He sees the world with childlike awe and amazement and has always loved playing with life. A traumatic motorcycle accident nearly took that life, which then enhanced this wondrous outlook on life even more. His living mantra, live each day as though it's your last. One of these days, you'll be right. BC created his own custom furniture company and ran it successfully for more than 15 years, coinciding with his establishment of LEED, the Leadership, Education, and Entrepreneur Development, a localized group that helped dozens of business owners to learn leadership skills and grow their revenues. In 2015, BC felt the world calling to him. So he closed shop, traveled to Central America with a map and a backpack, seeking the source that was calling to him. Three months later, the entrepreneurial bug bit again, and he is now CEO or for a world-empowered and initiates cultivate and perpetuate the empowerment of humans. In addition, BC created 22Day, a global online community where people gather weekly for focused meditation that cultivates positivity, optimism, self-love, and a higher world vibration. His credo is meant to be both a defining illustration and a guiding force that solidifies in his own heart who he is at his core. And it keeps him on track, fighting to the death in life's arena. This single sentence encapsulates the life that he exemplifies with every waking breath. Today, I fight to be a shining example of love, light, leadership, legacy, and lifestyle in the lives of everyone that I meet. His website is a worldempowered.com. Go check it out. Copy and paste the link. Click on it. Whatever you need to do. But go check him out at a worldempowered.com. I absolutely love that last sentence, that you fight to be a shining example of love, light, leadership, legacy, lifestyle. Man, it spoke to me on so many levels. I want to know your why. Is that your why or do you have a different why? Why do you do what you do? Well, man, probably about 180 times when I was growing up, I remember my dad telling me, son, the only thing that matters in this life is the way that you're remembered when you're gone. And sometimes, Sean, when I was in my mid-20s, somebody that was trying to help me through one of the darkest periods in my life asked me a question, and that question resonated with me so deeply that it really changed the course of my life. And he asked me, 
when the last grain of sand falls from your hourglass and your time runs out, will it matter that you were ever even here? And that question still to this day echoes and reverberates in the back of my mind. And I want to make sure that when the last grain falls from my hourglass and my time runs out, that it mattered. I want to know that I did something with this time that I was gifted here on this planet and that it mattered that I was ever even here. Right. Man, I could totally identify with that. Absolutely, man. As a suicide survivor who was kind of at the bottom, at rock bottom as far as you could go, I just want to make sure that not only do people not go through what I went through, but they're better equipped when I'm not around to deal with it if it so happens, whatever it is that is their rock bottom, that they have some sort of resilience. And so I absolutely identify with, with that. You want to make the world a better place in simple terms. But it, I, I just feel like the calling that you've had is so much deeper than whatever I could read or what somebody else could see. For you, it's so much deeper. Well, I, I love that we're having this conversation right now. I mean, this, this is a testament to perseverance and patience, isn't it? I mean, you and I have been working oh, yeah. on connecting and, and making this thing happen for, what, two years now? We set this <laughs> Almost, thing up and yeah. it falls off and something happens. One of us can't make it. And mm-hmm. we've been working to get together and have this conversation for over two years now. And that's one of the things, man, that you and I just resonated on so deeply when we met at that seminar in, in Austin with all yep. those other podcasters and hosts, you know, is that we've both been through that situation where we didn't want to see the sunrise. We didn't want to wake up the next morning and we were hoping for death. Um, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I also attempted suicide. And it, that suffering that I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. That um, driving urge to take one's own life because the pain is so deep that we don't think that it's ever going to get better. Mm-hmm. And I, that's part of why I'm here on this planet and part of why I use this story and this message and part of what I want to do to make sure that it matters that I was ever even here is just like you to make sure that if somebody's thinking about that at this point in time in their life and they don't think that there's anything worth living for just to show them that there's an example and that things can get better than they were and you can move from where you are to where you want to be and again to be that light in their life to inspire them to uplift them to give them a little hope and optimism and you know I had that attempted suicide when I was 18 I had a motorcycle accident that took my life on three separate occasions. My heart stopped in the ambulance on the way to the ER. It stopped in the ER when they were trying to put me back together like Humpty Dumpty. You know, I had had six broken ribs, compound fractures of both of my femurs. I lost, I had six Hmm. units of blood transfused just in the time the ambulance picked me up to the time I got to the hospital. Um, literally a, a walking miracle. I, there's no logical explanation how I, I was able to survive that other than divine intervention. And it gets more interesting. How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? <laughs> I mean, this is all about transformation, man. 
So, okay, the whole story that you would think that for somebody to survive an accident like that, like I broadside a pickup truck doing 85 miles an hour on my Honda CBR 600 F3. Um, that's a motorcycle. It's a race ready rocket on wheels. I T-boned him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Miss going through the driver's side door by mere inches. His windshield wiper actually skewered me like a shish kebab going through my right shoulder. Um, but you would think that somebody going through an accident like that where they shouldn't have survived and they, they met death and shook hands with death would be kind of an eye opener, right? You would think that would be a oh, yeah. wake up call, like a two by four to the side of the yep. head and they'd have this whole new appreciation for life, right? Oh yeah. Well, not when you want to die. <laughs> when True. every day for the last eight years preceding that, a person wakes up wishing that they hadn't woken up, and then they survive an accident like that, and they have to spend 18 months in physical therapy and rehab just trying to relearn how to walk. Um, one is likely to lean towards God and say, F you, why did you let me live? And that's kind of what happened to me, Sean. I survived that motorcycle accident. I went through all the pain and the trauma of the physical therapy and rehab. And I went the other direction. Rather than having a whole new appreciation for life and having everything smell better and taste better and the sky brighter and birds chirping, I actually raised both middle fingers to the heavens and said, forget it. This, I don't understand why you let me live. It's not fair. I don't want to be here. Screw you this. And I found myself addicted mm -hmm. to methamphetamine and rolling with a gang here in Fort Collins, Greeley. And for two and a half years, I became a worse version of myself than I had been even before. That's tough, man. So you, the transformation. You know, I, I have a lot of. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I would. No, nah, I want to hear your question. I, I hear a lot about going into medical for an accident or treatment and surgery and them coming out addicted to pain pills or opioids or whatever, you know? Right. And, and it just, it just blows my mind that we have not figured this out. We haven't figured out how to treat somebody and have them not get addicted to whatever medications or pills or whatever they're giving us in the midst of our trauma. Well, I, we are tiptoeing on the precipice of this becoming a conspiracy theory podcast. <laughs> I, I, I think that it's very likely that there are, they are completely aware of possible alternatives and solutions to the opioid opioid epidemic and the pharmaceutical industry might have their hands in the coffers <laughs> and uh, might be pulling a little too many of the strings. So they don't want to yeah. get away from that kind of stuff. But so I, I also think, I also think that it, that it might be um, personality. Like I, my whole thing was I was, and I never said like, oh, I'm, you know how you go to these, like, I'm an addict, like, hello, addict, right? right? Like, I'm just like, what? My name is. Right? right. My whole thing was, was I abused alcohol. And I was the reverse. I abused alcohol so that I could feel something. Most people 
numb themselves with alcohol so they don't feel pain. I was in the midst of it to where I wanted to feel something, you know, because you go through childhood abuse, you go through uh, abandonment issues, you go through a lot of the stuff emotionally that I went through and you're just closed off. You just, you just become closed off. No, you don't feel anything. And we're like, I'm, I'm shutting it off. There's just a switch. It's just, you just shut it off. So someone's yeah. like, dude, laugh. That's funny. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's funny. Ha. Huh? You know, like smile, man. Like I will, my time in the military, dude, smile, dude. Like when you get a smile, I'm like I am smiling, like leave me alone. You know, uh, I was not an outgoing person. I just did whatever and, you know, whatever. And then alcohol was like opening me up and it was getting me loose. And it, you know, so that's, I liked who I was when I was drinking all the time, every day. So that Um, was kind of your vehicle to joy. It helped you feel some semblance of happy. Yes. That makes sense. Given the circumstance. Yeah. Well, for me, it wasn't the opioids. I actually quite disliked the oxycodone and the Vicodin that I was on. I didn't appreciate or enjoy the way that that made me feel. Most importantly, I didn't like the way it slowed down my brain and inhibited my thought process. And as I stated earlier, it was actually methamphetamine that I became addicted to afterwards. And my biggest transformation, the biggest, I mean, the reason I'm on this show today the transformation for me came, I was sitting on a park bench one day. I was addicted to meth for two and a half years. I'm sitting on this park bench. And this is a place that I went to remind myself that beauty still existed. This was a park near my house that had two lakes and two playgrounds. And there were always kids playing soccer and flying kites with their dads and fishing in the lake and playing tag on the park. And this is where I would go, despite feeling like a worthless, burnt out piece of crap, I would go here and I would watch people laughing and playing and having fun to remind myself that beauty and joy still existed in the world. And I Mm. hadn't slept in about 72 hours. It was about three day bender. And Sean, I lost every friend and everything that I'd ever cared for. I mean, that's what happens when you're a lying, tweaked out drug addict, um, stealing and starting fights and you, you, you don't trust anybody and nobody trusts you. I've lost everything and everyone that I really cared about in my life. And I'm sitting on this park bench trying to remind myself that happy still exists in the world and nobody's there. There's nobody in mm. this park. It's like six o'clock in the evening, a hot August evening. And I'm sitting at this park bench and I start to cry. And in this moment, something speaks to me that echoes in every cell of my body. It wasn't auditory. It wasn't audible in my tympanum. It wasn't my subconscious because I was intimately familiar with the voices in my head, that negative self-talk. This is something that literally spoke to my soul. And this voice said, if you don't stop what you're doing, we're going to take it back. And in that moment, I realized that something or someone or some council or coalition of some things made a decision not to allow me to die the day that I wrecked my motorcycle. And if I didn't turn around, do an about face and walk a hundred, uh, walk it in a 180 degree different direction, that gift of a second chance was going to be taken back. 
No ifs, ands, or buts. No, well, I can cut back, or maybe if I just do it on the weekends, or maybe if I don't hang out with this friend, but I hang out with this friend. No, it was a total life transformation, and it was no ifs, ands, or buts. I don't know what your childhood was like, Sean, growing up, but do you remember Not when good. maybe you were five years old and your folks or your grandparents were trying to go somewhere and they're like, we got to go, Sean, put on your shoes. And you ignored them. Five minutes later, like, Sean, we got to go, put on your shoes. And you yep. ignored them. You kept playing with your Legos or whatever. They come back in a third time and they're like, Sean, I will not tell you again. And every hair on Sounds your body right. stands up and you're, you get goose pimples all over and you're like, oh, mom means it or dad means it or grandpa means it this mm. time. Oh, crap. I got to take care of this. You know, it was that voice that spoke to me that day on that park bench was just like that. Wow. If you don't stop what you're doing, we're going to take it back. Okay. I hear you. My choice is to keep doing what I'm doing for another six minutes or die. Turn around or die. So I quit. In that moment, I quit. Walked away from it, never touched it again, and now I'm 20 20 years sober, almost to the day, actually. Heck yeah. It's awesome. So that is your transformational moment in your life was that voice on that bench? Well, that voice did something, Sean. It, it was a gift and it inoculated me for the first time in my life with the belief that there might be some reason why I'm here, that Mm -hmm. something or someone wants me here more than I want to be here. They've had every oh, opportunity. Know God knows I've, I've given them every opportunity to take my life. I mean, I'm, I'm luckier than a cat, man. I gave <laughs> them every opportunity yeah. for them to take my life, and something keeps looking out for me. Somebody, something wants me out there, and I don't know what anybody's re- religious predication is. It's really not relevant to me what a person calls whoever it is that operates in this crazy universe. But something wants me here. So it, it was the first time in my life that I ever felt that there was something good about me. There must be something good about me. There must be something that I'm meant to do. Just by the very fact that air still fills my lungs, I still woke up this morning. I still exist. So there must be something that I'm meant to do. I love that so much. I I look back at the last 12 years of my life and every single thing, because I'm coming up to, you know, it, it, it got to the point where it was like right around school starting 2008, the wife is gone. We're going to get a divorce. Um, I'm by myself in a house. I'm losing my military career. I mean, everything was just spiraling. And then it was like right around like November, right before Thanksgiving, boom, it all fell apart. She is gone because we were just kind of talking, like, we're going to get a divorce. Like, this sucks, you know. But right, right before Thanksgiving, boom, she's gone. Kid's gone. Military's like, you're done. I mean, it was – the hammer had fell. And mm. 
in 2008, that was that was the moment. I was like, I'm done. I I I'm, I'm, I can't be any more than someone who just messes everything up. There's always that one guy. It's like Chunk in the Goonies. Like, <laughs> I need something broken. Hey, Chunk, come hold this. You know, and then drops it and breaks. Like, that's what I felt like. Don't give me – I would never hold it, but don't give me a baby. Don't give me a baby. I'll end up dropping it. Like, I'm not – I don't know. Like, something about the me. The opposite I touch of the something. mightiest touch, huh? Yes, complete opposite. And uh, and I look back at that suicide moment and everybody who tried to help me through that, who then told me I should be a drill instructor, who told me that I have a purpose, that I didn't believe it, got help with chaplains and and therapy for childhood traumas and different things that I never wanted to deal with. I just wanted to pretend like it never happened. I don't want to talk about it. It didn't happen to me. You know, having kids scared the crap out of me. Like, if my family did this, then I'm going to be this. It's kind of the generational curse. And I totally believe it generational curses. So then I look back and I had to go through that moment because I had to be a speaker in basic training as a drill instructor, teaching, training, mentoring, becoming a leader. I had to have that training. I had to go back to basics, literally went back to basic training. As a leader, I learned how to tell my story. I learned how to become a speaker. After basic training, I got picked up to be a suicide awareness trainer and a master resilience trainer. I then had a platform to tell my story on. It's done. I make life transformation radio. I'm booked everywhere to speak at churches, at leadership events. And I built a couple businesses along the way. I'm speaking at entrepreneur and business events. That one moment in 2008 was the catalyst to becoming a drill instructor, to learn how to tell my story, to becoming an a, a MRT to tell my story, to having platforms to tell my story on, to then being a empowerment coach, leader, resilience, master resilience, implementer, the business positioning strategies, everything that I do, speaking at TEDx, which was a dream come true, started with that decision to try to take my life. And I believe it's the same for you. That moment on the bench was a defining moment in your life where then everything else was built off of. Without a doubt, it was foundational to the next two decades of my life. You know, it was that moment on that Mm -hmm. park bench and that voice that spoke to me that said, if you don't stop what you're doing, we're going to take it back. That led me to believe there must be something valuable that I can do with the world, which started me on the search. Okay. If there's something that I'm meant to do, what is it? Who am I meant to be? Because obviously this person I was, the person I was being, the actions I was taking and the way that I was showing up in the world wasn't it. So who am I meant to be? And I started seeking counseling. I mean, I've done everything from early childhood regression to hypnotherapy to acupuncture to you name it. And just began the search. And it was because of that singular moment on the park bench that day in 2000 and 2000, August of 2000. Oh, wow. Man. I look at all of the transformational moments that people have 
and you can literally look back and see exactly how your steps were directed based off of, and we go through a lot of transformational moments. Central America was a transformational moment for you, 100%. I believe there's always a starting point, and everything spawns off of that one starting point. And I'm just fascinated by how many different how many different ways this moment, air quotes, <laughs> uh, this moment manifests itself differently for people. But in the course of history, everybody has gone through this moment where they're sitting somewhere next to a tree by a park bench. They hear a voice. They see somebody. They, I'm sitting on my floor with a gun in one hand and a bottle of Jack Daniels in the other. And it wasn't a voice that spoke to me. People had gotten into my house to stop me from killing myself. That's divine intervention in its own right. You know what I'm saying? So If they had been just, five minutes late, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation, yep. right? Right. So, so I think it's really important to realize that that everybody listening, if they know anybody or if they're personally in that dark night right now, with that struggle of not wanting to survive, not wanting to live another day, that it all begins with the realization that a, they are still breathing. They are still here and they do have a purpose. They have a gift that's unique unto them alone. That weren't true. They wouldn't be here. I mean, God or whatever carries the key to to the lightning box, man. The lightning will strike at any moment. The time when your time is up, your time is up. So the very fact that we're here and we're still breathing means that there's something that we're meant to do. Um, mm-hmm. I had a second point and I totally lost it. I got distracted. Squirrel. Um, crud. Oh, good, man. If somebody's listening right now, so it, it's, I think it's super important to point out that September is Suicide Awareness Month and you have two guys right here who have dealt with it personally in a very personal level. So if someone is dealing with this or have thought about it or someone's listening, go, oh, my gosh, I know somebody who needs to hear this. My message is that you have a purpose. There's two living proofs right here. I mean, Brian, you defied death three times. And, and then tried to take my own life. Back. How yep. brilliant is that? I defied death <laughs> three times at least. I mean, that doesn't even take into account all the stupid things I did in my teens before that. I defied right. three, death three times, and then I decided to try to take my own life anyhow. How does that make any sense whatsoever? And yet okay. I could go from a drugged-out meth head thief bully person to running a custom furniture company for 15 years, shutting that down, traveling the world. I was actually living out of a backpack, traveling through developing countries for 11 and a half months. Um, Wow. And then ended up starting my nonprofit organization, a world empowered, which essentially we help people who like helping people to help more people at a world empowered. We have a philanthropic vision where every person man, woman, and child feels empowered to speak their truth and to live the life that they dream of. 
But basically, mm-hmm. we raise money through the sales of my book and speaking engagements and things like that to, so that we can in turn donate that back to other nonprofits around the world who are already doing good work. We help people who like helping people to help more people. So if I could go from this person who wants to die and then wrecks his motorcycle, then tries to kill himself, then's a drug addict, to running a custom furniture company for 15 years, writing a book and starting a nonprofit, then anybody can do it. I'm just an example. Like I'm not special. I just made the choice. I think that was the other point that I wanted to make. I had the choice when I had that, heard that voice on the park bench that day. It all started with the choice. I'm sure you know Jim Rohn. You know Jim oh, Rohn, yeah. right? Yep. Jim Rohn says, uh, how does that go? One ship sails east, the other west, by the self-same winds that blow. Does the set of the sails and not the gales that determines where we go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all, all about the mindset and how we choose to look at a situation, whether we choose to look at it as a victim or choose to look at it as an opportunity. Like, what am I supp- supposed to learn here? What am I supposed to grow from here? How is this supposed to make me a better person? It's all just the mindset. Mm-hmm. There you and go, man. Everybody has the opportunity to make that choice. My wish for everybody would be to experience a transformational moment. And maybe you already have, and maybe you choose, maybe you chose to ignore it. I was, so I wrote my book in 2016 and I was sitting in church and then the pastor had said something. I'm like, man, I wrote about this in my book. My buddy goes, you should give him a copy of your book. I mean, this has just been written, just launched, right? I was like, yeah, I got to give it to him, whatever. So I give it to an autograph. Hey, man, I wrote a book. I just wanted to let you, you know, read it, have it. This is your copy. Love, you know, everything about you. A couple weeks later, he calls me. He's like, hey, hey. Make sure you're in service. I'm like, of course, I'm here. He's like, make sure you're in service and see if you can stay for the next service. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> we usually sat, you know, a couple rows back, you know, maybe two, three rows back from, from the center. And uh, we go through our worship, comes out, and he goes, today we're going to talk about transformation. My wife looked at me and smiled. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And he brings out the book, and he's like, I want to read you something. And immediately reads a passage from my book, which is called Decisions, The Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors. Hmm. This passage that he wrote became a sermon that he said that day, which then became a sermon series the following month, every week for, for, you know, for four weeks, every Sunday for that entire month was a moment from my book that I wrote. How special. He took it and wrote, and I was like, holy crap. And I told my wife, I said, maybe this is it. Maybe this is my calling. I had to become a speaker in order to become a pastor. And she goes, oh, hell no. I am not a pastor's <laughs> wife. My wife is 4'9". Okay? She is 4'9", Puerto Rican, pistol, spark plug, whatever you want to call it. She is... You know, I mean, fiery, fiery, (laughs) she gets after it and, and she goes, hell no, right in church. Hell no, I am not a pastor's wife. (laughs) Well, you better get to praying because, uh, (laughs) because, you know, and so 
we laughed it off, whatever. And then a couple weeks later, I got booked to speak at a church. And I said, babe, this is the sign. This is it. Like, this is what's going to happen. Now, I don't know if that, I mean, I don't know, 20 years from now, maybe it could, I don't know. But I just, I, I was, I was having that moment where you recognize like, this is it. This is the dare to be great moment. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. Right. I just, I just think it's, it's amazing when that moment comes and it's so deep and deep and dark and, it's, it's, you know, they call that dark night of the soul that it's, it, it becomes a part of you. A piece of you is there in time. And you look back 10, 20, 30 years later and look how far you've come. Well, the thing I love about it is it illustrates the serendipity and the divinity of life and how everything works the way that it's supposed to. You know, Winston yeah. Churchill once said, when bombs are going off in the middle of World War II in the worst time in human history, Winston Churchill said, I walked destiny as if my whole life has preparation for this moment in this challenge. You know, and if you hadn't gone through the struggles that you went through dating all the way back to your childhood, but, you know, sitting on that floor with a bottle of Jack in one hand and a pistol in the other, and then going through that experience, being saved by your friends in the last moment, and then being able to write that story and then sharing that story with the people, with the pastor at the church, and then the pastor reading it and sharing that story with the entire congregation, you know, who knows how many lives that you, you, you in effect, because of the, the circumstances that you survived, the things that you went through, how many lives that you changed personally. And the same goes for me. I tell my friends, my parents, my, my parents have awful shame and guilt around how I was raised and not understanding, not knowing how much pain I was going through and the things that they did and how they affected me. And I told them, look, I need you guys to get to a place where you are so grateful for the man that I've become that you can be grateful for the circumstances that brought me here. Mm. Your guilt and oh, your shame for what you did to me for the for the childhood that I had doesn't serve you and it doesn't help me. I need you to get to the point where you're so grateful for the man that I've become that you can be grateful for the experiences that brought me here. And it mm. again that transformed our relationship with both my father and my mother. Mhm. Well, that's powerful, man. Wow. I think nothing happened by accident. Everything no. is I think in divine that, order. Mm-hmm. Even the shit yeah, that I we believe don't that everything like. happens Excuse for a reason. Me. Everything. Everything happens for a reason. There is no coincidences. Like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Like, no. Everything happens for a reason. Every single moment of your life. Everything. Every single moment of your life. And if we believe that, and we truly understand that, then all we have to do, especially in the moments of struggle, but all we have to do is look at the moment and ask for what? What's the purpose? Yeah. Why, why is this happening right meaning. now? Because I, I know that it's happening for my good. I know that something good is supposed to come of this. Napoleon Hill said, within every setback or difficulty lies a seed of equal or greater success. That's how the universe operates. Everything that happens happens on purpose, and that purpose is always good. So if something happens, whether it's good or bad in our life, all we have to do is step back and say, huh, why? 
Why is this happening? What am I meant to learn? How am I meant to grow? What, what mm-hmm. good can I make of this situation? Yep. Yeah, become a master of meaning. I love that you have all of these, these passages and these quotes like memorized. I don't feel like I'm the only one who loves <laughs> acronyms or loves, or, or loves um, um, comparisons. Right. Yeah, I'm like those, a thesaurus those. for other people's wisdom, man. I've got none of my own. I just, I'm just really good at regurgitated other people's stuff. Right. What came up when you said that for me uh, was, if you feel like you're being held back, so does the arrow. Hmm. I heard that somewhere one time. It says, if yeah, you, I like if you, that. If you ever feel like you're being held back, you're not alone. So does the arrow. And I was like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> like, Doesn't that also I, mean that you're about to, to let fly? Oh, yeah. Get ready because you're about to let about fly. To yep, just get ready. If you're being held back, if the, if the world's coming down on you if, the, you, know, if the devil's coming after you, you just look him in the face. Like, not today, Satan. Not today. And then you launch. You know, you launch. And then look what happens amazing opportunities happen. And just by saying yes, say yes and figure it out. And amazing opportunities will happen. Yeah, like that silly movie with uh, Jim Carrey, The Yes Man. Live your life like that. (laughs) Yeah, what a great movie. People just need to realize that there's a purpose. Their existence has meaning. All we have to do is look for it. We should be spelunkers of our own journey. Like, what am I here for? What am I meant to do? What is my gift and how am I meant to deliver it? What am I supposed to do with my life? And that that book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl talks about that all the time. What a great movie. Oh, it's a great book. That should be a movie. It it should be a freaking movie. Oh, my goodness. That would be the best movie ever. And he talks (laughs) about, I mean, he survived Auschwitz for crying out loud. And he's like with, you know, there's nothing in this world that would so effectively help one to survive. Even the worst experiences, the knowledge that there's meaning to one's life. We're, we're all here. We're all alive. Every person that's breathing right now has a meaning. There's something that we're meant to do or we wouldn't be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. I a hundred percent agree with that. As we close the show, if someone's listening right now, how can you help them? How do you elevate the world around you, and and what could you do inside of your your nonprofit, your business, what have you? What is it that that you do that elevates the world around you? Well, there's obviously the nonprofit, right? Like raising yep. money through a world empowered. Eighty percent of every book sale goes to fund a world empowered, which in turn we donate back to other nonprofits. Like we wrote a huge check to meals on wheels when I think uh, late March, early April when COVID hit, uh, we wrote a, a grant to Africa bags to plant 100, 125 trees in Malawi. Uh, we provided four annual scholarships to send four kids to school um, obviously, there's the things that we're doing with the world empowered to try to help facilitate good. My book is called The Dream Achiever. So it basically, it's a rhyming illustrated book that walks people through getting it re- reunited with their child self that believe, believes magic is possible and the whole world is still at their fingertips and helps them get reconnected with the dreams that they had and, and sets them on the path to attaining it. But mainly, it's just 
you're, you're welcome to call me, contact me, email me. It's the way I walk through life. It's my living mantra. I've got this, this card, this three by five card sitting by my bed. I read it every morning when I wake up. I say, today I stand for the courageous fight for positivity and optimism, both in myself mm. and others. I fight to be a shining example of love, light, leadership, legacy, and lifestyle. Like it's just, it's how I show up when I meet the checker at King Supers or the guy's bashing his wheel in the, the lane of the highway next to me because he's freaking out having road rage. And I just send him love and smile and wave and say, it's all right, buddy. You know, just show up, be kind. I was in a, uh, it reminds me, I was in an airport one time. I think I was in Vegas or something, but I was at a very busy airport and I, was, I went to Chili's. The waiter's running around. I mean, you can see he's sweating. He's running everywhere and the place is packed. There's a line out the door. They're out the, in the hallway. And I finally get a seat. I've been waiting about 15 minutes. I finally get a seat. He goes to me and says, hey, man. Okay, what can I get you? Um, do you want anything to drink? Do you, do you want an appetite? I'm like, whoa, whoa, calm down, calm down. What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for right now? He's like, what? Dude, dude, what do you want to drink, man? Come on. I'm like, no, what are you grateful for? And he's like staring at me, and he's like, I don't know, man. I mean, I got a job. I got money. And then you start to see his shoulders kind of dip. And you see him start to come back to the ground. You start to see him become centered and grounded. He goes, I do have an amazing woman at home. And, and I'm alive, and I'm well. And, and I'm happy. I'm happy at what I do. I'm like, that's awesome, man. Be grateful in that. And uh, I'll take a sweet tea with lemon. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, uh, and he comes back. He hands it to me. And he's like, thank you, man. Thank you. And I watched him around the restaurant. He wasn't running anymore. He was interacting. He was engaging. He was slower, but efficient. He smiled more. And you could see him interacting with people. And you just see a difference in what he was doing and the way he was spreading that positivity because before he was stressed and nobody knows what his stressors were, but you could visibly see him stressing out. And so anytime I, I anytime I see that, I'm always like, what are you grateful for? Got to spread. I positivity. love the ripple effect. Like you, you brought him back down. You helped him ground. You brought him back to the moment. You're like a mindfulness coach. You don't even know it, but the ripple effect from that one question that you asked him echoed throughout the entire night from every person that he interacted with and subsequently every person that they interacted with. Sure. Sweet butterfly effect, baby. That's how good <laughs> spreads, it, man. my man. That's how good spreads one person at a time, one is. smile at a time. We all have the power to do something kind, to do something good in the world. We don't have to start a nonprofit yep. or be Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates and donate right. billions of dollars to charity and stuff. You know, we all have this opportunity to have a massive impact. Yep, 100%, man. I agree with that. I think that everybody here should create a sentence like an affirmation like you have that exemplifies their life or what they're walking with. Um, that's my takeaway. What is your message to the listeners as we close the show? What's your message to the listeners right now? Hmm. I'm tapping into my heart. Give me one second. Mm-hmm. 
My message, I would say, Sean, is a question. Will it matter that you, they were ever even here? I would like every one mm. of your listeners to stop for a second and ask themselves the question, will it matter that they were ever even here? And please, for the love of all things holy, if the answer to that right now in this moment in their life is no or I doubt it or I don't think so, then start trying to find a way to change it to a yes. Find a way to do something so that they can answer that question in, in the affirmative. Yep. I love them yep. all. I love you, brother. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> it's quite an honor. Absolutely, brother. Love to have you on the show, man. Honored to reconnect with you. It was amazing, you know, meeting you for the first time and then following you on your journey and reconnecting again and reconnecting after that. <laughs> and, uh, and it culminates here, my friend. It culminates right here on the show. And I hope this ah, is we're just the, getting warmed up. I say I hope this isn't the last time we ever get together on something like this, you know. So oh, heck no. uh, I wish you the best for the season finale of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's going to be a heck of a blowout. I keep telling people, can you imagine what New Year's Eve is going to look like? 2020, people are, can't I, wait for this year to be over, man. Right, <laughs> right. Like every like. So January 1st, like maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Bars are closed, but like everybody's together. Nobody's social distance, you know, like everybody's just party up. Like, I don't give a crap. Like the world's over. Let's do this. <laughs> you know? like, Where's the mistletoe? No, I'm catching everybody. Yep. I don't give a shit. Crap. <laughs> I'm done. Right. So I told everybody today, I was like, you think I'm playing, man. We still got an election. And we got Black Friday. Just you wait. Just you wait. We got two two big events. Everybody always gets messed up on Black Friday. Um, right. Trampling people over just to get that Tickle Me Elmo, you know? Like, give me a break. So, anyway. Honored to have you a part of this, man. And I just wish you the best for 2020, my friend. Honored to be here. I can't wait to be in your presence once again, Sean. Look forward to seeing you, brother. Absolutely. Life Transformation Radio listeners, thank you for sticking with us in this amazing conversation with my friend Brian. Go to aworldempowered.com. If anything resonated with our conversation today on Life Transformation Radio, go to the website, find him on social media, friend request them, letting them know that you listened to his episode of Life Transformation Radio. Consider donating to his Nonprofit to his mission, a world empowered. With that, I close the show by saying, live your brand. Find opportunities every day to live out the core values that you hold deep in your heart. I call this living your brand. So until next episode, live a great life.